It is Encounter with God time here on The Breakfast Show. We're about to get into our Bible study. And as always, at the beginning of our Bible study, we share what you shared in the first half of the show. We're going to read your text messages. We're also going to look at the next question for our quiz. Mm -hmm. Jesus compares false prophets to what in sheep's clothing? We talked about sheep a little bit earlier in the show. Who is wearing sheep's clothes? And who are actually false prophets? 0491 is the number to call or text if you know the answer. And if you do, you can give us a call or text, get the correct answer in, and enter into the draw to win uh, the Bible, which we are giving away at 8.45 a.m. This amazing, expensive, incredible study Bible. You can get it absolutely for free, provided that you send us incorrect answers. 0491 is the number to call or text. Jesus compares False prophets to what in sheep's clothing? Okay, so coming in on the text messages, we had this one, the story about the waitress is amazing. God is good, mm. and we should trust him in all things. Mm. Uh, so a great uh, story that we had there about a waitress who got a tip for $777 and donated wow. it to the local church. Uh, the smoking industry is pure evil, and the governments are complicit to this. Thankfully, God says he will hold these people to account. And then there is the liquor industry, which is just as evil. Mm. From Brayden. Absolutely. Agree. It is. How can you disagree with that? It's so obvious. All right. I've got another one here. Let's just uh, see here. Refugees in Australia. Good ending with the family. I wish them well. When you consider what's happening in the American border and mass illegal migration, we can't complain. That's a fact. Uh, sheep on the roof. I wish humanity followed Jesus instead of Satan like these sheep who followed the silly or the stupid one and got themselves stuck on a roof where there was no grass and no water. Lots. Of, there's, there's, a, there's a sermon in here. Yeah. I've just got to figure out what the sermon is, but there is definitely maybe, maybe what you guys can do is help me write this sermon. Lawson got his sermon that he's preaching this Sabbath from a news story that came through earlier in the week. Mm-hmm. I've got to preach tomorrow. Maybe you guys can help me write a sermon on this. Sheep on the roof. I think that I think there's lessons to be learned. That's here. actually genius, guys. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. If if this if this if you feel like this relates to any kind of spiritual topic, send it in. Help me write the sermon. I'll preach it tomorrow at Raymond Terrace, and you can come along. <laughs> or you can come to the Newcastle University Adventist Church nah. and come hear me preach. Raymond yeah. Terrace. Uh, So long as you're at church somewhere tomorrow, that's the main thing. Mm. Okay, tipping in America, prayers work. He hears all of our prayers. Amen. And vaping, for the love of money, some companies have no problem in murdering people. The heart of men is beyond wicked when controlled by Satan. One of the pieces of research that I didn't get time to cover in relationship to that smoking story was that the... Uh, the age at which you have the most people smoking is actually 50, in the people mm, in their 50s. Mm-hmm. And you can understand why because that's, you know, I've just turned 50, so I'm just sort of scraping in with that generation. And I can remember back to the days when probably primary school, first two years of high school, where smoking was still seen as being cool. Mm. And there was still lots of advertising about smoking that made smoking look super trendy and cool and it was a cool thing to do and other kids would encourage you to try it out. Mm. I think that has changed a lot since then. My kids certainly never had that experience when no, they no were way. in school. Smoking was seen to be something that only stupid people did. Because... We, we had Healthy Harold by that time. Right. The giraffe, you know, he set us straight. Okay. <laughs> That's what you need. You just need a giraffe to solve the smoking yep. problems. Healthy Harold, there you go.
and and so you know when you look at how society has changed people in their 50s you can see how that there's been a carryover from that what's interesting is that the numbers are not as high for people in their 60s and 70s sure and it should be higher of because obviously there was a lot more of people within those generations who were smoking because it was a lot cooler within that era. Mm. Except that a lot of them are dead. Mm. And when you get to the 70s, only 5% of people in their 70s smoke because most people who smoke don't make it into their 70s. Yeah. Which is the tragedy of that, that particular story. All right, we need to get into our Bible study. Let's go. We are in uh, where are we up to Genesis chapter thirty nine. We're going to take jump back to the story of Joseph as a slave in Egypt. So last time we were reading about Joseph, he was being sold, and then we took a little bit to talk about Judah and Tamar, so events that are taking place while Joseph is in Egypt. But now mm-hmm. we're going to go back to the story of Joseph in Egypt. In Genesis 39 and verse 1, the Bible says, When Joseph was taken to Egypt by an Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was a, ca- a captain of the king's guard of the pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Okay, so this was in an era when the army was made up of citizens who would arm themselves and supply themselves. Mm. And so, for instance, if you're going to go on a campaign, the the, the, the king or the pharaoh or whoever it might be would put out an order, a conscription order, every male between this age and this age, turn up in this place on this day with your supplies and your weapons. Mm. And so your weapons might be as simple as a club or a pruning hook or a pitchfork or if you are wealthy, you might have a spear or a sword. If you're a professional hunter, you might have a bow and arrow, mm. often you would not have those things, but you would also bring livestock with you. Mm. Oh, as, yeah, some food. Because how are you going to survive? You have to supply yourself mm. on the campaign that you're going to be part of. And, of course, there was the promise of loot and oh, wealth yeah, of course. and women and slaves. And mm. so these were the motivating factors that would be used. Wow, interesting. At this particular part of history, Emperors, pharaohs, kings, etc., did not have standing armies. They would have a house guard. Mm. And so the house guard would be relatively small. At the most, you're looking at you know a couple of hundred men. Mm. And it seems that Potiphar was in charge of Pharaoh's house guard. So he's probably, you know, the general mm-hmm. of the Egyptian army. Yeah. And so when they go into battle, Potiphar is going to be somebody who, if he's not the general, he's going to be a very high officer or one of the generals who is going to command the army. Mm. So he's a high official. He's a wealthy man. He buys himself a new slave. He's happy. To always get you know those rush of positive endorphins and dopamine when you go and buy something new. I went shopping last night. I was got a dopamine hit from yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. Bought some shirts. Actually, I was shopping this morning. I was I was buying a birthday present for my friend online. Yep. And uh, yep. Yeah, but then I, you know, my phone went zzz, zzz, and I looked down. And it's like this much money has come out of your bank account. And I'm like, oh yikes! <laughs> and so the dopamine hit just went out the window. Yeah, so that's right. It was nice for a moment, and then it was all gone. So Potiphar mm. Potiphar buys himself a slave. He gets his dopamine hit. He's got somebody new in his home, a young guy who's fit and healthy. Of course, he hasn't travelled a long distance. Joseph hasn't travelled a long distance to be there, and so he's going to be in good condition still. Mm. A lot of slaves would turn up in very, very poor condition, particularly if they've been transported from you know, the further reaches of the empire somewhere, mm. or if they've been a slave for a long time. This guy has never been a slave. Mm. He'd be in great condition, and they'd get good money for him. Mm. 
They would, you know, they paid 20 pieces of silver for him. You know they sold him at a significant profit when they come to Potiphar. Okay, so let's keep reading. Let's see what happens when he becomes a part of Potiphar's household. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything that he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything that he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything that he owned. Okay, so he basically becomes... CEO. Yeah. He's a slave. He's not getting money, Mm -hmm. but he is the CEO Mm. of Potiphar's entire household. That's pretty significant right there. So there's a couple of things here that sort of jump out to me. And the first is this. When we read the early story of Joseph, he is a, he is the, the, the stereotypical spoiled brat from an incredibly dysfunctional family. Mm. But at some particular point, and I would say it would be on the journey to Egypt because previous to this he was mouthing off to his brothers, mouthing off to his parents, mm. his teenage brat who's never worked a day in his life. I would say on the way to Egypt he's given his life to Jesus Christ. He's given his life to God. Mm. And you can see that because the Bible says that God is blessing him, him in what he does. Mm. God is with him. Yeah. Why is God with him? Because he is with God. God never forces himself into somebody else's life. Yeah, I I love that point. It's not necessarily that God is just blessing him, but it's the fact that God is with him. Yes. Like Joseph is someone who is living a life where he considers God to be a part of the picture. That's right. God's not with you if you don't want him to be with you, Mm. if you have not asked him to be with you. God is with you when you give yourself to him. And so... You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. And so for Joseph, what you've got happening here is he's experienced, he's had a conversion experience Mm. at some particular point here because we can see in his previous life he was not converted. Now he is. A change has taken place. And this story is going to teach us how to respond to terrible, terrible circumstances. Mm. Think of your average spoilt brat today that's never worked a day in their life and they get thrown into a slavery environment in a foreign country and they are going to go disappear into depression until they die. Mm. Well, talk about the average. It's kind of a fight or flight thing. That's that's essentially like where where they're at. Like they can just yeah fall into escapism or whatever it is, and that's it. Or like they can they can step up. And Joseph stepped up, he gave his life to God, and he's like, okay, I'm a slave, so I will be a good slave. Mm. What a lesson. What a life lesson right there. Whatever life throws at you, find the good in it. Yeah. Oh, by the way, this is this passage clearly. Like, people have cited this to say that the Bible's pro-slavery because God was with Joseph because he was a slave. Like, these are people who don't read the Bible. Like, people, yeah, that's right. It's like very, people. very clearly. Yeah, yeah. But essentially, this and and the Bible later reflects on this in the New Testament. That's where people attack, where it's like, you know, slaves obey your masters. And people are like, well, look at the Bible's stance on slavery. It's anti-emancipation, like all this stuff. And that's no, that's not the point that, that the Bible is making. Um, because in this context, like, we're... So the prescribed slavery in the Bible, we have like indentured service, but this is not prescribed slavery. This no. is Joseph has been 
ended up as yes, a real as a slave, slave by the Egyptians. This is not God's government. This is yeah. Egyptian this pagan is, government. This is like this is the again like the worst form of slavery that we could yeah we could think of like a terrible. The Bible awful. actually describes this kind of slavery as it calls it man stealing, mm. and man stealing carried the death penalty. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so the kind of slavery that they had in, say, for instance, which is the the one that is so controversial, the southern states of the United States, Mm. the Bible gives the death penalty for anyone who practices that kind of slavery. Wow. But this is the thing. Joseph ends up in that position. Yes, And again, like reflecting from what the New Testament says about this, you know, slaves obey your master for what reason? Well, just like Joseph is, he ends up as a slave. This is his situation. He has nowhere to go. He, there's nothing he can do. And so he's like, I am going to let the Lord work in my life. And as a result, you know, and we see, we're going to get into the story of Joseph and we see how far Joseph goes as a result of letting God work in his life as a slave and then later as a prisoner and then later as the prime minister of the entirety of Egypt. Um, but at this time, he makes this decision. He's like, "This, I'm in a terrible situation, but I'm going to obey my master. I'm going to let God work in my life and I'm going to step up. Yes, that's all I can do. Absolutely. All right, so when we look at this, uh, this, this, this story right here, the big lesson to me is that so often we're going to find ourselves in circumstances, and it might be the most trivial things. It might be like, well, I'm living in this particular town now, and this town is boring. Mm. There is nowhere that is boring. Mm. Everywhere you go, there is something that you can do, mm-hmm. something that will be interesting. I've travelled to so many different countries of the world, so many different parts of Australia, and I've never found a place where I've stopped and haven't found something interesting to go and look at, to go and see, to go and do. And the the moral of the story is really is make the most of the circumstances that you find yourself in Mm. and use those circumstances to be a witness for God and to live for God. Mm. And God will bless you. Mm. All right, let's continue on with the story. That's awesome. Okay, let's go to verse 5. The Bible says, From the day that Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administration responsibility, administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph here... He didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come here and sleep with me, she demanded. Okay, so let's stop here there for a moment. Let's think about this. Uh, when it comes to the subject of adultery mm-hmm. and fornication, uh, let's go back to Abraham. Was he innocent? No. No, Abraham committed adultery. Uh-huh. Uh, let's work our way down to Jacob. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many wives did Jacob have? Four. Let's think about Jacob's sons, <laughs> Judah. We just read that yeah. story, right? Mm-hmm. So does Joseph have, has, has, has high moral standards, have, I should say, have high moral standards been modelled to Joseph? N- no, not necessarily. No. Not in that regard. Yes, I mean, think about his uncles and his and his and his great uncles. You know, people like Esau has two wives, but like his dad, the Ishmaelites. His dad has he, four. He is the son of an adulterous relationship. Like he's yes. Rachel's kid. Yes, like yeah, and that was not 
Jacob's first wife, that mm. was his second wife. Mm. He ended up with four. So high moral standards have not been modelled to him, and typically when high moral standards have not been modelled, then young men, particularly slaves, look for a bit of comfort. Mm. And you can imagine that you know, in Potiphar's position, what kind of a wife is he going to have? You know, oh, if, you, if you're general of one of the most powerful empires, if not the most powerful empire in the world, mm. what kind of a wife do you think he has? Oh, yeah, he has like a babe hanging off his arm. Of course he's got a babe. Yeah. He's got a trophy wife. Yeah. yeah we, we, we could be wrong. We could be speculating, but it's unlikely. But regardless, like, okay, you've got Potiphar, who's this really powerful dude. And if, whether we're just like talking about looks or whatever it is, obviously she's an awesome She's relatively person. She's the kind of person that a very powerful and wealthy person would be interested in. That's right. Mm-hmm. It's exactly who she is, and not only that, she's going to have a level of power and influence herself. Yeah, that's right. Because you can tell from this passage that she is not. While she might be a trophy wife, she is no doormat. Mm. She's the kind of woman who gets what she wants. She is a strong woman, mm. and she's going to get what she wants. That kind of woman in this kind of a circumstance, from a slave's perspective, having an affair is an opportunity for advancement. Mm. So here he is. He's a slave. He has advanced and he has an opportunity for more advancement because not only is has he become CEO, but now his boss's wife wants to sleep with him as well. Mm. From a worldly perspective, things could not be going better for Joseph. Mm. Because as a slave, he has no right to marry, he has no right to have a girlfriend, he has no right to have, you know, any kind of love in his in his in his life. He is condemned to a celibate life. Mm. That would be very discouraging for a slave. That would be something that would, you know, would I mean, this may not be the case because it wasn't the case in all slave societies, but it often was. So he's in a really Bad situation, and he has opportunity to make his life better and have some fun along the way. Mm. How does Joseph respond to this? It continues in verse 8. It says, but Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. Mm. Okay, so why does he refuse to do this? What is the reason that he gives? Okay, it would be a thing, a wrong thing to do against Potiphar, but mm. very much so a wrong thing to do against who? Against God. Against God. Mm-hmm. So in Egypt, you know, Potiphar's wife would be like, ah, oh, which one? There's like three and a half thousand mm. to choose from. Mm-hmm. But for Joseph, there is just one. There's just one. And it's the only one that actually exists. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm not going to sin against God. Yeah. Which is interesting because his father sinned against God. His brothers have sinned against God. Mm-hmm. They've all sinned against God. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have this as you know a family trait of holy living and righteous living. Mm-hmm. But he recognizes that it's wrong. And this is one of the things that I see coming through here. While morality has not been modeled to him, mm-hmm. the consequences of immorality have. Wow. Yeah. You think about that. Mm. He has seen the consequences of immorality and he's like, no. Nah. Just no. Nah, this is my thing. Not going there. 
Yes. He's learned some lessons from the experience, the hard experience of his family, and he's not going to repeat those mistakes, and he's not going to sin against God because he's given his life to God. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We're going to have another clue for our quiz, the last one for this morning. This is your last opportunity Mm. to get your name in the drawer today for that uh, very, very nice Bible study Bible that we are making available tomorrow. It will uh, be drawn tomorrow. Today. 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 It's Friday. Yeah. This yes. is this is the last this is the, clue. This is the last of the, of the last week. of the last. This is guys, your final final chance. And by the way, if you've already entered into the quiz, if you've already answered question correctly, you can answer them again correctly. Like you can get as many as many questions as you get correct, that's how many entries you get. So if you want more of a chance, then make sure you get this correct. The final question of the week is Ecclesiastes chapter ten and verse one warns that this will make an ointment smell bad. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. This is a real producer, kind of producer. has not made the last one easy. This for is you. a real kind of trivia question. Yes, like how many letters are in the file? <laughs> that, that type of deal, like that kind of thing. Like yeah, Ecclesiastes chapter ten and verse one warns that this will make an ointment smell bad. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Okay, so Freck has got me a good start on the sermon. Uh-huh. I need everybody else to pitch in now and help me out. Uh, he says this, Jesus leads us to green pastures and running water. Satan takes you anywhere there is no pasture and no works. water. Only the fool follows a fool onto the roof with no pasture and no water. <laughs> I like it. But other people... We've got to start. Like, we need everyone else to pitch in now. That's, that, that's like What's the Bible verse we're going to use? Uh, I don't know. The sheep hear my voice and... My sheep. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's that one, of course. There's 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 lots of good ones. I want one about where Satan leads people. But it's, I don't think it's Satan. I think it's other people. True. Because it's it's not it's they didn't follow a dog onto the roof. He followed a sheep onto the roof. Dogs not Satan. A cat maybe, but not a dog. Yeah, but but it's not like <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. I do. He didn't follow. Okay, yeah, they didn't follow a cat onto the roof. They followed other sheep. All right, uh, Ruffy. About our Bible study here says. Jesus was spoiled, but he was loved by his parents and very well educated by his father and mother. He loved God. When sold into slavery, these things strengthened him to make a full decision to follow God. In the house of Potiphar, a slave, then a confident and companion, a man of affairs, educated by study, observation, contact with men, gifted by God. He passed the test of Potiphar's wife's temptation and blessed even more after more testing, after being thrown into jail, became the second most powerful man in Egypt. Mm. Getting ahead of the story, but True. that's what happens. Let's get back into our story. And uh, we find here that Potiphar's wife, when she's rejected, she doesn't give up. Mm. Okay, so you've probably got a trophy wife here, and you've got a trophy wife who's trying hard day after day after day. Mm-hmm. That would be really challenging. Yeah, that would be so unbelievably hard. This is, yeah, tough. This is, this is, this is a story of self-control. This is a story of God-given self-control. Let's read it. In verse 10 it says, She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, Come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand and ran out from the house. 
When she saw that she was holding his cloak and he had fled, she called out to her servants. Soon all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make a fo- to make fools of us. He came into my room to rape me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away, but he left his cloak behind with me. She kept the cloak with her until the husband came home. Then she told him her story. That Hebrew slave you brought into our house tried Tried to fool around with me, she said. But when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. It's interesting the contrast that we get in society. You know, we've we've got some cultures, and historically, we've had cultures where you kind of don't believe the woman when she makes a, a claim of rape or whatever it might mm. be. Then we've moved over to always believe the woman, mm. and neither of those extremes are true, as mm. we see in this story right here. Mm. Joseph was innocent. Mm-hmm. This was a case of do not believe the woman. This woman is a psychopath. Mm. Don't have anything to do with what she says. Mm-hmm. And so we need to be careful in society that we don't that we don't fall to the culture that surrounds us and let it affect our good judgment. Mm. Potiphar here responds in a very interesting way because you know the death penalty in ancient world for rape was. Sorry, it was death. The penalty for rape was death, Yeah, I should say. In pretty much every ancient culture, that's what happened. If you raped somebody, you died. And particularly if that was a married woman and the husband found out about it, you just died. Mm. And particularly if you're a slave. Mm. You know, it'd be one thing if, you know, somebody had passed through and Potiphar has to, you know, go and chase them down or, you know, if Pharaoh had come in and raped his wife or somebody like that who was more powerful than what he was. But when a slave does, they have no rights. Mm. They don't even get, even get a court case. There's just an accusation here and it's like, okay, that's it, you're dead. Mm. Okay, so how does Potiphar respond? Well, it says here that Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated him. So he took Joseph and threw him into prison where the king's prisoners were held and there he remained. So that's odd. Mm. He's angry, he's furious. But he doesn't actually truly, he's not 100% convinced, is he? Mm. Because who in that day and age spares a person's life Mm. with that kind of an accusation? Mm. It's unheard of, particularly when it brings shame on him and shame on his family. He's prepared to deal with a level of shame to actually keep Joseph alive. Mm. Now, you can imagine that the prison where the king's prisoners were kept you know, this would be what we might describe as a loathsome dungeon. Mm. It's not a great place to be. Mm. He hasn't been, you know, put up in the local hotel and said, you know, don't come out, you're in quarantine for a couple of weeks. Yeah. No, he is in a loathsome dungeon with the worst criminals in the empire at that particular time, the ones that the king, because pretty much these were the only prisons that existed, were very small uh, Prisons where you would have a few criminals that were kept there, especially by the king, because typically criminals were executed. They weren't kept in prison. Yeah. And so he gets thrown in there, and he ends up being in there for years. Mm. of throws him in there and forgets about him, throws the key away, so to speak. He's in there for a long time. Mm. But what does he do while he's in prison? Let's think about this for a moment. He finds himself in prison. What does he do? So many people would descend into depression at this particular point. They would never come out. They would curl up in the corner of their cell and eventually die Mm. or their brain would give way. 
What does Joseph do? And I talked about this earlier, that Joseph has this ability to be able to find something constructive to do and find the best in every circumstance that he finds himself in. And I want you to think about that as a listener because you might find yourself living in a place like, why am I living here? You might find yourself doing a job. Why am I doing this job? This is horrid. I hate this. This is terrible. But think about the story of Joseph, who when he's in the worst of circumstances, finds a way to be constructive. Mm. Keep reading. In continues on, it says, um, let's see here, verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph in prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the Lord, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to be a success. Okay, there you go. This is Joseph. He's doing his thing again. He is a natural when it comes to administration. He just has that ability. And, of course, you know, by and large, Jewish people have that ability right down to this day. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And right now, we have come to, guys, it's time. We're going to do the draw. Let's, uh, Shell, have you got the wheel there with you? Are you going to spin it for us right now? All right. And by the way, the, this prize, it was for the Andrews Study Bible, this amazing, incredible Bible that we are giving out for free. So let's spin the wheel. Oh, can you hear it? It's, it's going around. It's slowing down. Has uh, it stopped? Oh, there it goes. <laughs> Hey, and congratulations to Deanne McDonald for being our winner for this week of the Amazing Bible. Now, we're going to be getting her on the phone in the next section. But congratulations, you have won the prize, the Andrew Study Bible, which is fantastic. But right now, it is time for... Question of the Day. All right, Lyle, our question of the day today is... Committing a crime worthy of the death penalty, the judge letting you off the hook and punishing the innocent brother instead, this wouldn't be considered justice even in an imperfect human society. So how can it be considered justice for God to do the same? Okay, let's have a let's have a think about this question here. This one's coming through from Brett. I think it's a really good question. I don't understand entirely understand the context of it. So, Brett, maybe you can share with me uh, some more of the context of what you're trying to ask here. I'm going to answer this in the context of the plan of salvation. And when it comes to the plan of salvation, the circumstances are a little bit different from what has been listed here. Okay, so the difference is that the judge doesn't let you off the hook and punish an innocent brother in place of you. That's not what happens in the plan of salvation. That's not what God does. So let's think about what God does for a moment. First of all, if we're going to use the illustration we've got here, we have, first. firstly, the judge is the one who has made the law. So he is the instigator of the law. He has written the law. He has drafted it. He has written. He has passed it. He is the one who has created the law. The second thing is, rather than then asking an innocent brother to step in and say, okay, can you die in place of that person? Because that would be incredibly unjust. What God does, he says, God says, okay, I've written this law. I've made this law. This is my law. And so therefore I will die. And so it's actually the judge who dies. 
the judge who is the originator of the law who dies in the place of the person who has broken the law. And when you put it in that context, what you have is a perfect coming together of both both mercy and justice. So let me give you an illustration that will help to explain how this works. In one of the early colonies, there was a governor that was ruling over this colony and had a problem with theft. He introduced an early version of mandatory sentencing where anybody who was caught stealing something would cop 40 lashes. The very first person who was caught, I know I've shared this story before, but it's a good one, uh, the very first person who was caught was his elderly mother, caught the attention of the entire community. They wanted to know what kind of a judge they had. Did they have a judge who was somebody who would, you know, bend the laws to suit his family and, uh, well, you know, one law applies to him and a different law applies to everybody else? Did they have that kind of a judge? Alternatively, did they have a judge who was so cold, stone cold hearted that he would be prepared to sacrifice the life of his mother and have his mother whipped to death because she was an elderly person. She's not going to survive 40 lashes. Would he have his mother whipped to death just to prove a point that he would stand by his law? And so the judge was really caught in a no-win situation right here. Either direction he went was going to set a very, very bad precedent for the entire community that he was the governor over. So when the day of the execution of the uh, sentence came, of course the entire community turned up. This was back in the day when these kinds of things took place in public in the town square and the old lady was walked out and the conviction was read out and the sentence was read out and the whole town was holding their breath What kind of a governor, what kind of a judge do they have? You could hear a pin drop. And then the governor stepped forward. And once again, you could hear a pin drop. What's he going to do? What's he going to say? He didn't say anything. He simply took off his coat. And then he took off his shirt. And then he said, tie me to the scaffold. I'll take it for her. Now, because he was the one who was the originator of the law, he was the creator of the law, and he was the judge, he could do that. If he had turned to one of his redcoats, one of his soldiers, and said, you take off your shirt, you take off your jacket, and you take it for her, that would not have been fair. If God had turned to one of the angels, if God had turned to a created being, if God had turned to any being that was a recipient of life, from God, if God had turned to anyone who was not God himself, then that would have been the height of unfairness, it would be injustice, and it would never, ever provide for our salvation. But because Jesus is God, and Jesus is not a recipient of life, and Jesus has always been here, Jesus is, and Jesus is the originator of the law, he is the one who is able to pay the penalty for the law. We have a winner for this week's prize, and I believe she's on the phone right now. Deanna McDonald, congratulations. You are the winner of this week's prize, very special prize, of course, a study Bible. Yes, thank you. Have you you ever won something like this before? I have to ask this question because I never win things. Uh, Not a Bible, but I win a few from Faith FM. Ah, oh, fantastic oh, stuff. A regular, a prize, a prize getter. That's amazing. 
Uh, we just want to wish you uh, congratulations. We want to wish you a very special day, and we pray that this Bible will be a blessing to you and to the people around you that you associate with as you share the love of Jesus in your community. One last text message, just sneaking it in here as we finish the show. Being a king's prison, could it be that it was reserved for political prisoners and those under investigation? It's a good question, and uh, the evidence is that that is very likely, most likely, that's exactly what it was. Mm. And so you'd find people who would be there while the investigation took place and then they would be you know, executed or punished in some other way if they're found guilty or exonerated. Mm. We want to remind you today as you go through this day to spend time with Jesus in prayer and Bible study. We want to remind you to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be with you till we meet again. Counsel's guide uphold you with the sheep securely fold you. God be with you till we meet again. Until we meet again at Jesus' feet. God be with you till we meet again. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1 800 Faith 